Hey, everybody, it's G Marks again, and thank you so much for joining me on the Paychecks Thrive podcast. I am thrilled to have John Scott with me. John is the director of Pew Charitable Trust Retirement Savings Project. John, did I get that right, first of all? Yes, that's absolutely correct. I am glad to hear that. That is good. I am never very good with titles. So the director of Pew's Retirement Savings Project, tell us what that is all about. Yeah, I could probably spend the whole podcast talking about that, but <laughs> let me break that apart a little bit by right. just saying Pew is a nonprofit, nonpartisan policy research organization, which is a long way of saying we do a lot of research around public policy, different areas of policy from healthcare, criminal justice system, the environment, and of course, retirement savings. And in my role, I direct a project that's focused on uh, expanding access to retirement savings opportunities for American workers. All right. That makes, that makes complete sense. How do you get that job? Where, like, <laughs> tell me your, your, your history. Are you an economist by training or uh, what, what's your background? Yeah, I know my background is a little uh, convoluted, but it, but it all led to Pew, I would like to say, in the sense that I started off in the retirement industry. I was a, a pension attorney uh, for a number of years and worked in inside financial services firms. And then uh, I took a job working for a trade association here in Washington, D.C., doing okay. advocacy. And then I sort of had my midlife crisis and went back to grad school, got an advanced degree, did a little teaching and research. And when I got the job opportunity at Pew, it really combined all those aspects of the technical background on pensions, uh, the research, um, and, and then the sort of the hands-on policy work. And so that's I brought all those um, skill sets to the job. That is awesome. And uh, and how long have you been at Pew so far? Uh, almost nine years. No kidding. Wow. It took a lifetime in today's world. So <laughs> On some days, yes. You know, okay. So, you know, you do research into retirement. Um, yeah, it, by the way, it just, it, it makes me, I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, works for a school district in New Jersey and uh, he's like an assistant vice principal and he's going to retire in five years. And like, he gets like a pension, which which for like people listening and watching this podcast can't like what's a pension? Yeah, like what is a pension? Like do do companies still offer actual like defined benefit pension plans anymore? Do you still see that out there among regular privately owned companies? Yeah, you know, it's it's I mean, you do. Um it's uh I think very large companies and obviously in the private sector like your friend. Yeah. It's a little more prevalent. Uh but it's it's a vanishing uh, breed, really is. Yeah, and it's vanishing because it is just it, it's a fortune to fund, right? I mean, you know, you're effectively saying like we're we're going to promise you a you know a, a a pension payment, a benefit payment for all of eternity after you finish you know finish uh, retire with us, and you know people living longer and funding those liabilities are really really big. Do you ever think anything like that could come back? I mean. There, I mean, I'm going to give you an example. Like, I I can actually see if you're a small business, you know, it, you offer different types of retirement plans, and one can be like, well, we're not going to give you full salary, even fifty percent of your salary, but you know, you come to work for us, and if you work for us for twenty years and then you retire, you know, we'll kick in X dollars a year. You'll get paid from us for twenty years after. It, it's that's something that probably could be, you know, an actuary could probably figure out. Um, that sure. could be an affordable thing. Have you ever, do you think that that could ever happen? I'm like really kind of curious being somebody in the world of retirement that you're in. 
I, I think it really depends on the demand for that kind of yeah. benefit. I mean, I think if, if employers really see the value of it yeah. as, a, as a tool to attract and retain workers, um, you know, my dad had a pension, uh, but he worked at the same place for 35 years. Yeah. And so you don't, you don't, and I just talked about my career, a lot of zigzagging, you don't really see that. And it doesn't really lend itself to the defined benefit pension. But if you have a segment of the workforce that is a little bit longer tenured, yeah, sort of like my dad, um, then I think it makes a lot more sense to kind of reward that longevity. Yeah, I mean, we're trying so hard to figure out. I'm going to I'm going to ask you for some your thoughts and numbers, data, if you have it on the overall retirement crisis that this country is going for. But, you know, we clearly have one. And, you know, right now, like if you're running a small business, John, it's like, the, you know, the only retirement option benefit that we're providing to our employees is a 401k or, you know, something like that. And uh, I mean, I was just thinking about my own business. I have 10 employees. And I'm just thinking like, you know, if I were to say to an employee, like, listen, you stay with me for 20 years and all is good. You know, I will commit to X dollars for X years after you retire, you know, in addition to what has been put away for your 401k. I don't know. I wonder if that someday would, that, that kind of option would come back. It would never be like the pensions that we saw in the past. But, no, de definitely not. Um, but I, but I think you know there are, and this is probably getting too far into the weeds. But there are <laughs> programs out there for that companies can offer certain workers. They're called non-qualified retirement right. plans, right. and um, and so companies do make that kind of promise uh, for certain employees, usually management, but they're a little bit more common. So you can totally see if if the labor market changes, and you're in an industry where experience is highly valued. Certainly, that kind of a promise that you make into your employees, I think, would would have resonance and yeah, you know, and, come back. Yeah, it makes sense, and, and we won't go into any further detail on it. But the one thing I do want to say is that there is there is a you know a cash value defined benefit plan that very very small companies could offer, yes. um, where the tax advantages are enormous. Uh, the only issue is that you know you have to contribute to this plan for all of your employees, yeah. right? So, uh, but usually I see, I've seen that with some clients where it's maybe like just a husband and wife that runs the company or it's very closely held, you know, so there is still some life breathing and defined benefit plans, but, um, all right, you're researching about retirement, you know, it, we have a retirement crisis going, tell, tell me why we have a retirement crisis, remind us all sure. how bad this is. Well, I mean, there, there are lots of statistics out there, I mean, let me just point out a couple to illustrate the problem. So sure. according to the Federal Reserve, about one in four non-retired Americans have zero in retirement savings, I mean, absolutely nothing. And according to Vanguard, looking at their very, very large client base, the median amount saved for retirement is just over $35,000, which means half of their client base has $35,000 or less in retirement savings. It's, which, un it's unbelievable, by the way. But it's keep, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so, Jeez. and the, the biggest driver of that is the fact that people don't have access, consistent access to a retirement plan at their job. You know, now a lot of people will say, can't you just open up an IRA, go down, you know, you can go online and open an IRA today. Right now it would take you about 20 minutes. Sure. But the fact of the matter is people don't, you know, part of it's, most of it's inertia and, the advantage of having workplace retirement benefits is that you, you save on a regular basis with every paycheck. You don't have to think about it. You know, unlike the IRA, you don't have to make a decision to, you know, send a check or, or do all that. It's all done for you. And it just runs in the background and you, you live on what you have uh, once the deduction takes place. So 
I think that's really the big challenge is that if an employer doesn't offer a retirement plan, and about half of U.S. employers don't offer retirement benefits, um, and, and I should say not that they don't want to, but according to our research, most employers, the vast majority of employers want to offer retirement benefits, but they often find it very difficult to offer a retirement plan to their, for their workers even a, you know, we're not even talking like a defined benefit pension. We're talking about a 401k. Right. Um, it's just a little costly. And, you know, there's a fair amount of work that an employer has to do. So I think that's really the big driver is that lack of access. So, you know, um, this is completely unrelated to the fact that this is a paychecks podcast. But I just want to say that we, um, I had a retirement plan. I, I just switched retirement plans. I'm in the process of doing it. And um, I am going to actually be using paychecks as a 401k because they do my payroll as well. And again, this it's just coincidental, honestly. Um, but it is, and we're going to talk about Roth as well because I, I do want to get some of your thoughts on that if you if if you have some. But um, so I'm opening up a new 401k and a Roth, and it 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 it's a pain in my neck. <laughs> you know, there's like so much paperwork I got to fill out. I got to explain it to the employees. We got to re-educate everybody on the investment choice. We got to. It's just you know, it's, but but it's for the best because I know you know it's a better plan and it's a. Uh, you know, again, I'm going to you know, provide you know, a Roth plan as well. But um, so I guess that's you're right. I mean, a lot of employers to do it is just it's just a bit. But but with so many people not having those retirement savings and, you know, it's weighing on a lot of people as well. Um, it just seems like craziness. I mean, yeah, a lot of things about running a business is a pain in the neck. But you, you got to do some of this stuff if you want to attract and retain workers. Right. Well, I, I think that's right. And, and I think that's the rational intellectual, you know, comment, which is. Definitely true, but we know that from our research, retirement benefits aren't the first benefit that employers offer. It's, right. you know, as you would guess, health insurance, yep. paid time off, things that have an immediate value to the workers. People don't think about retirement or don't want to think about retirement, even though I think about retirement a lot. But yeah. um, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's something that is sort of a little bit down the road. And so a lot of employers, they typically wait until they're a little bit bigger where attracting and retaining workers is much more important. They're you know, much more successful, or at least in terms of profitability, they, they feel like they can take on this additional responsibility. So it, it does take a while and it takes some thought and effort as I think you just illustrated. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does, but it's super important. And, and in all honesty, I mean, other than the out-of-pocket cost for setting it up, which there are now tax credits available, so we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, it really is not. I mean, it's, you don't. You don't. There's no requirement that you contribute to a, you know, or match your employees. It's just, just providing them with the, you know, availability that they can put money away for themselves, and trying to educate them together. And one final thing I can also say to people listening or watching this that are running businesses. I mean, you know, I mean, guys, I have so many clients that they've had long-term employees. They didn't put enough money away for retirement. Like, like John, like you're saying. I mean, thirty-five thousand is crazy. And then they they want to retire and they can't. And then you've got the employer who has got to kind of kick in, you know, to help, you know, you're, you you want to look after people. That's what we do. So now we're kind of like, you know, we need to give this guy continue to employing him or give this person, you know, some extra money because you don't want them destitute. So it does kind of fall back on the employer a lot of time, particularly if you're a smaller employer and you've got, so there's, you know, there's all that that's going on. Okay. So um, tell me about Secure 2.0. We've done some other episodes on it. Um, I love talking about this act because, you know, it got passed sort of in a bit of a rush at the end of the year and then people mm -hmm. are starting to unpack it and find different things in it and good, you know, good stuff, you know, maybe not so good stuff, but 
tell me about Secure 2.0, why, why you think it's important, why, you know, what, what parts of it kind of, as somebody who covers retirement savings, why, why you think it's a good thing? Well, I, I think it's a good thing overall, but, you know, from the perspective where I sit, and I'm very concerned about how do we expand access to retirement savings mm. in this country? You know, it's, I, I don't think I mentioned the statistic, but about 47% of working Americans don't have access. That's roughly 57 million people. And so how does Secure 2.0 help with that problem? It does lots of things. I mean, there's the, the bill is huge. But I would point out two things in particular that I think are really interesting. If, if they're done well, could have a big impact. One, I think you mentioned earlier, were the tax credits for businesses for starting up a plan. Right. I think that's, and according to our research, the number one driver of employers not offering retirement benefits for the small to mid-sized market um, is the cost of starting up a plan. And so if we can use those credits effectively, now there is a sort of a question here about the timing. So typically if you spend, Gene, uh, $2,000 to set up the plan. And, and Which, by the way, was, is pretty close to what I'm spending. <laughs> Keep yeah. Going. yeah. Well, you know, but when do you get the tax credit? It could mm. be several months because you have to file a tax return yeah. and then and processes. And some business owners can't afford to wait that long. So I think if we can sort of think about how to match up that expense with the, the timing of the credit, that would be really important. The other provision I'm very excited about, although a lot of people are trying to figure out how it's going to work in practice, is this expanded savers credit. So this is a tax credit that goes to low to moderate income people who have saved for retirement and matches up to 50% uh, up, uh, up to $2,000. So they would get $1,000 uh, in terms of a tax credit. And what the Secure 2.0 Act did was make it refundable. So instead of it just offsetting a tax liability, a lot of low to moderate income savers don't have any federal tax liability, it makes it refundable. So they would get a direct payment. So it would in effect act as a matching contribution. And we know that when you have a matching contribution, participation rates go up. So it's it has a twofer effect, moderate income savers getting a little bit extra for what they're putting in. And it also encourages more workers to save for retirement. But again, devil's in the details about how that's gonna roll out and, and how it's gonna work in practice. Yeah, that's a really exciting one as well. And obviously, it only applies to certain people of a certain income level, like like you said, it's moderate income um, or below. Um, it's whatever they're putting away. It's basically the government basically saying, you put money away in a 401k plan, we'll, we're, we're going to match you with a tax credit, um, which is great. Um, a lot of people don't get their arms around that. And unfortunately, I mean, I just, as a CPA, sometimes... Sometimes people don't use their own accountants or they do their tax. They don't realize that that stuff is available. This is all like awareness and education. Yes. You know what excites Absolutely. me is, is tell me if you think, you know, is um, the, the, this there's a provision in Secure 2.0, which I think goes into effect this year, um, where employers that have less than 50 employees, when they match an employee's contribution up to, I think, $1,000 per employee, they get a tax credit. The, employee, the, the employers do, um, yeah. which is huge for anybody. It's basically saying like, you know, like, dude, like the government is going to pay you to match your employees contribute. Like you don't have to worry about being out of pocket. You'll, you'll get it back in a tax credit. Right. Do you, does that, did I describe that right? Yeah, I, that's my understanding. And, mm. uh, I, I think that could be very important. But again, I think it's, as you said, it's the education. Yep. You know, this is the problem with tax credits in general is that 
a lot of times people don't know that they're yep. entitled to them. The yep. earned income tax credit is a great example of that. I think it's, was it one in four uh, don't apply for it when they're eligible? Similar with the business tax credits. Um, you have to have a good CPA or at least be very knowledgeable. And so, and part of that's on the government to really advertise some of these new provisions in the security yep. point out. It's funny that there is, there's certain things I'd love to do, and I don't know if I'll have the time to do it, like someday when I retire, when I'm older and want to, I mean, I would love to have just a nonprofit that gets external funding that would just help me do earned income tax credit, you know, filings for people that, I mean, in Philly alone where I live, there was some statistic that, you know, like, like 70% of the people eligible for earned income tax credits aren't applying for it because they just don't know about it. And it would be like yeah. it's just money from the government that they that they would be able to use to you know feed their families. And I, and I think with all of these, it's rewarding the kind of behavior that we want to see with yes. the EITC. It's working. It's yep. for the employers. It's offering a plan or providing that match or for the, the uh, savers credit. It's actually saving. So it's these are targeted tax credits. Uh, in some cases, they've proven to work very well, like the EITC or the children's tax credit, which. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So there can have a good effect, but it really it's all about the implementation at this yep. stage. Yep, it really is. It really is. And again, there's plenty of good CPAs out there. I mean, but CPAs get paid for their time, like any professional service. And you know, and a lot of times the people that can most benefit from the earned income tax credit aren't hiring CPAs to do their taxes. And, um, yeah, and, and part of it is they don't know. Sometimes yeah, they, they don't, don't know, know that a CPA can be helpful too. That's yeah. right. It's a good point. Back to retirement savings. So in the Secure 2.0 Act, the other, you know, I, I don't know if, if there's other parts of it that interest you. I love the matching of student loans as well. Does that, yes. you know, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think that uh, has a great potential to really be helpful to employers with younger employees. Yep. You know, obviously, we've been talking about student loans for several years now and how and, and with good reason. They've just exploded. You know, I have a daughter in college and she has student loans. Thankfully, it's not as huge as some of these numbers we see out there. But um, I, I think it's really, again, encouraging the right kind of behavior. It's keeping people in the retirement plan while paying off their student loans. And so I think that's a really nice message to send to younger people that, you know, you don't have to make a decision between should I save for retirement? Should I pay off my student loans? Um, you can do both. And retirement savings is really about the long term. You know, it's you're saving over a 30 or 40 year career. And if you can just keep, especially younger people, keep them in the plan, uh, then I think it's going to pay dividends for them and, frankly, for employers. I mm. think it's going to be very helpful for employers in a what is now a pretty tough job market. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great way to attract those those workers and retain. You know, I I interviewed the CEO of a company called Tuition.io recently. It's for I'm writing this piece for the Philly Inquirer about student loan options for employers and. Um, he told me that he has a significant number of customers. Uh, tuition.io is a, uh, they get in between the payroll services and the loan repayment services. So they make it, they automate, you know, repayment of loans through paychecks. And um, he was like, he was saying that um, um, a great, you know, percentage of their customers are older people because it's not just like the kids are, a lot of times there's parents that get the student loans for their kids. So it's, yes. you know, so, so it's the, these older people as well. They're paying back the student loans on behalf of their kid. They, you know, could very well be eligible to get that matching payment to their retirement accounts. I know it, it sounds crazy, but it is true. Yeah, it really is true. So it's, it's, I mean, I focus on the younger people in the sense that this is a tool to help attract 
those workers starting off. Right. And they are the ones, you know, oftentimes who don't save for retirement. And we right. lose them a lot of times. So, you know, for that, but you're absolutely right. It really cuts across demographics. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty it really is a pretty interesting um, you know piece of data. Um, Rolf, I'd like I'd like to get a little bit of your thoughts on that. So, Secure 2.0 now allows employers to contribute to Roth 401ks. For those people that don't know, if you're comfortable explaining what they are, um, you know, by all means, if you if you'd like to, because we just started one, and I'm absolutely thrilled about it. <laughs> No, go ahead. Go go for it. So, as we, from, I'd like to hear your story about that. Yeah, well, I can tell you what the the, the story is because we have a lot of. I, I only I don't come up with any of this myself. I have clients coming to me saying we want to do this because it makes sense. And you know, the Roth four hundred one k like in my company, we started it up. People could put money away after tax into a Roth four hundred one k, and now I can contribute to that for my employees as well, thanks to Secure two point and it's all after tax money. So. They, they've already paid the taxes on it. It's not a pre-tax thing. It doesn't reduce their taxable income like a regular 401k. And a regular 401k, you're just deferring it. You know, like when you put money into your 401k, when you are required to take it out some years later, um, <clears throat> you're going to pay taxes on it then when you take it out. The Roth 401k, you've already paid the taxes on. So as it grows, it grows completely tax-free. So the idea is with like the markets, I know stock markets are up a bit since the beginning of the year, but they're still, you know, off their highs and there's still a ways to go. And so I have a lot of clients coming to me and saying, you know, we want to stick some money in this Roth because we know the markets are going to go higher at some point. We don't know when, but we'll ride that tax free. And then when we pull the money out, it's, it, we don't have to pay any taxes on it at all. That's the beauty of your Roth 401k. Did I describe that right? I, I believe so. I mean, I'm, I, I should say, you know, thinking about my employer that I'm not here to give any advice. Or, <laughs> they should start one too, right? Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, but I, I think, really think, though, it's a nice trend we're seeing in public policy where we're beginning to loosen things up a little bit. And we're not having these rigid barriers between Roth or traditional IRAs or Roth accounts within 401ks. That, um, and I'm hoping that this trend continues both with portability. So there are, I think, some restrictions still with rollovers from true, Roth. True. Uh, IRAs, for example. Correct. So, you know, but I'm hoping that we'll have full portability. That's another issue that we don't often talk about is that people leave accounts behind because they can't roll them over or it's hard to roll over accounts. So this general trend of allowing, in your case, you know, the employer contributions uh, to the Roth, I mean, that is huge. And it really, because everybody's situation is different. It's, you know, you should be able to pick the right vehicle that's that's appropriate for your financial situation. Makes sense. That's Makes the bottom sense. line. You've done research as well um, into state-run, you know, retirement plans as well as what's being provided by federal. And there is a trend that, you know, for more states are now requiring employers to do something about retirement. Tell me a little bit about that research and what you found. Yeah, so it might be helpful just to really quick say what these programs are. Please. So... They go by different names, um, work and save programs or secure choice programs. We call them at Pew automated savings programs. But the basic idea is uh, the if you're an employee that works at a job that does not offer retirement benefits, you would be enrolled in a statewide savings program. It would be automatic enrollment, uh, much like automatic enrollment in a 401k. Uh, if people are familiar with that. And so you might start deferring at 5% of your pay. The program would set up an IRA for you. So you would have this IRA would be owned by you. 
Um, you could opt out at any time as the employee you could change your contributions. Now, what is a little bit different and makes it unique is that it's an IRA-based program, but it's payroll-based. Um, it does use automatic enrollment, but the employer is not really involved. Mm-hmm. So the employer's only responsibility is to facilitate payroll contributions. Uh, they don't have any say in the program. It's, it's overseen by the state, but it's run by private financial firms, very similar to 529 college savings programs, mm-hmm. um, if you're familiar with that. So sure. similar setup there. Uh, but these programs are now in 14 states where they've been passed in 14 states. There are seven that are up and running today and just the quick data points. Approaching about 700,000 people are saving um, across those seven states. Uh, and the assets are uh, about 800 million, probably past 1 billion this year. So this is relatively new. The first program started in 2017 in Oregon. And as I said, it's now uh, we're up to 14 states. We see more states uh, probably passing legislation in the next year or two. So to finally answer your question, yes, we've done a lot of research around these because we do think these are pretty unique mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, you know, the 529 college savings programs, those are voluntary. You, mm-hmm. you sign up and start saving in, in an account. But this does use automatic enrollment. So it's using that power of inertia to get people into the saving system mm-hmm. uh, and keep them saving. And it's portable. So we've looked at, um, and I can go into details a little bit, but uh, we've broadly taken a look at how does this impact businesses? How does it impact the workers? And what's in it from the taxpayer's point of view? So, You know, why wouldn't employers want this? I mean, this to me, like, it sounds kind of like a no-brainer, like, it from... When I look at these state plans, you know, the employers don't have to do any work other than just facilitate the payroll contributions. And then we're done. We don't, we have no fiduciary responsibility. We don't have to worry about setting anything up. We don't have to worry about evaluating new plans. I mean, again, you know, just the, the, the pain in the neck that I talked about earlier when you're setting up your own retirement plans as an employer. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what are the downsides or what are, what are, what are opponents of these plans say? Well, I think there's a concern that it is a requirement. Uh, that businesses do have to do the payroll deduction if the employee stays in the program. Um, Now, we feel that, and I should say, there's no fee for the employers. I mean, there's really, the only thing they have to do is the payroll deduction. And so there is a concern that, well, is is the program going to become more onerous over time? So far, that hasn't proven the case at all. There's another concern that uh, somehow employers aren't going to adopt their own retirement plans. That somehow it's going to compete with the private market. Yeah. We've done some research there to look at the states that are up and running today. And we found that, if anything, it's the reverse. Hmm. Um, when a state implements one of these programs, it actually nudges employers who've been thinking about offering a retirement plan. All those, you know, 50% of employers don't offer a plan. The state comes in and says, you know, you have to start facilitating the contributions for these workers unless you have your own retirement plan. And for some employers, they're like, you know what, I'd actually like my own 401k. You know, I'd like to offer contributions and choose the investment lineup. And I'm willing to do that. And so we actually see an uptick in new retirement plans uh, in those states with these state automated savings programs. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And, you know, it it doesn't surprise me either. I, I, you know, first of all, you when you have your own retirement plan, you can make contributions to it. Too, so that's a benefit yes. that you can use to attract employees. And my my other concern is just you know the government taking my money. I don't know, 
you know, if there's any, I mean, it's a social security issue, right? You know, although I think some of these state plans, the money gets invested with outside investment yes. banks and institutions, right? It's not yes. like going into the state coffers. But nope. there is still that level of distrust, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's why we say it's very much like these 529, which the 529 programs have been very successful um, now. Yeah. Because they've been in existence for about 20 years or so. And so I think that's a good analogy to use. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that we, we certainly, I should say, we are not against employers offering their own retirement plans. And frankly, you know, if an employer can offer 401k with matching contributions, that's the best. Um, but if they can't do it or they're just, you know, they're not quite ready, at least the state programs offer a savings option. You know, we did a survey of employers in the Oregon program and just to see, you know, how's it going for them? You know, do they, what are the pain points for them? And I remember one employer wrote in the survey, he said, we can't afford a retirement plan. And this is a great option that I can give our team until we're ready at that point to offer 401k. So it's really seen as a nice way to say to a worker, yeah, we do have a retirement program and we can compete with that bigger company that has a 401k. That's great. John, before I let you go, um, what, what, what are you working on now and where do you see uh, retirement, you know, the, the whole move? How do, what, what, what more can be done to solve this, you know, lack of retirement savings issues? Well, I, I mentioned the savers match a little earlier from Secure 2.0, yeah. and we're really interested in seeing how that might be implemented. There are a lot of questions around that. Um, would people take it up? You know, would people file a tax return to get it or how would it be communicated? And I think that's really, really important because if you can increase people's balances, that has a big impact on people's lives. So I think we're pretty focused on that. The other area that, well, two other areas real quick are looking at two segments of the workforce. You know, one are contingent workers. Um, we call them non-traditional workers. These are people that aren't in a traditional employee-employer relationship. Mm -hmm. They often don't have that nexus with a you know, the HR system. So we're thinking about how to get those people into the retirement system on a regular basis. And then we're also doing some work around wealth inequality. So understanding how communities of color um, who we know typically don't have access to retirement benefits or other ways of building wealth, we're going to be doing some survey work around that and thinking about you know, how can we better target some of these tools we've talked about to African-Americans, Hispanics, and other groups that are, you know, frankly, traditionally underserved by the, sure. the financial services community. John Scott is the director of Pew Charitable Trust Retirement Savings Project. John, uh, thanks for all the great work that you guys are doing. It was just fascinating, and I hope it helps make a dent in what really is an enormous crisis in this country. So um, thank you for speaking with me. It was really, really great stuff. Gene, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Everyone, you've been listening and watching to the Paychecks Thrive podcast. My name is Gene Marks. Hope you enjoyed this information. If you've got any advice or tips or would like to suggest guests to us, please visit us at our webpage at payx.me forward slash thrive topics. Thanks again for listening and or watching. We will see you again very soon. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. 
Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2023. All rights reserved.